Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Animation Fascination Podcast. I'm Mark Vibber, and with me again is Stanford Clark. Hi there! So, this podcast focuses on the world of animation. Each episode, we feature all the latest news from around the animation industry, and a main topic discussing a TV series, film, or something else. Uh, whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion, if it's animated, it is up for discussion to geek out about. So, today... We are back after, what has it been, uh, December of 2014 was when episode 78 came out. That's an amazing work. Wow. Yeah. And it just seems like yesterday, dude. <laughs> and then I think <laughs> well, kind of. <laughs> the last time we did one together might have been early November of 2014, because I think the last one was uh, me and Vactor, doing, it was an, and it was a news episode. Okay. So to kind of start... This episode, I wanted to do kind of like a quick catch-up of what's basically happened since that time. And some one of the things I thought was kind of funny was that when I was going back through our, our show to upload it to the new server that it's on now, is that I noticed we talked about the, the Rescue Rangers hybrid live-action animated film way back in like late 2014 so i thought that was funny that about seven or eight years later we're we're actually getting that movie wow yeah and then we we also talked about the enchanted sequel that same year too and we're getting disenchanted pretty soon now finally so it only took it only took both these movies about seven or eight years in development to to actually get made, and they're, and they're both coming to Disney Plus, which was a streaming service that didn't even exist. Yeah, seven or eight years ago. In fact, I wonder if we would even be getting them if it weren't for Disney Plus. Yeah, that alone, with uh, like how much the industry has changed since the late twenty fourteen, early twenty fifteen. Of course, uh, John Lasseter no longer at Pixar. Pete Doctor is now the the head of uh, Pixar. Uh, we have Jennifer Lee as the head of Walt Disney Animation Studios. So a whole bunch of awesome changes that have actually come to be within the past seven years or so. And then uh, the only other kind of thing I wanted to bring up is that in that time, of course, there's been plenty of animated films that have come out. And I'll start with you to kind of see, see, you don't have to like name like all of them from like all the movies that have come out since then that you liked, but maybe like like the top three or three or five animated films that you've liked that have been released in the past seven years. That's a good question, Mark. You know, first thing that comes to mind is still just being a big Pixar fan. I've liked all the films that Pixar has released uh, that, that Disney put directly on Disney Plus. I wish, and I hope someday I get to see them on the big screen. Okay. But, uh, really thought Soul was was a very thought provoking, interesting film, and incredibly, you know, beautifully animated. Uh, Luca uh, is fantastic. I love, love 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 Luca. And then you know, Turning Red, which uh, I think we'll be talking about a little bit here. <laughs> um, and also, I. I I just was thinking, again, just last year, and I probably need to go a little further back, Mark, but uh, at Disney, both Rye and the Last Dragon and Encanto, uh, I thought were uh, fantastic, you know? Uh, and it's amazing to me that they could crank out two movies like that in the same, in the same uh, year. Another one which really stands out in my mind, Mark, and I think, you know, you probably will, will agree with me on this one, is uh, Sony Animation's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Uh, that one just blew my mind. I saw that multiple times. Absolutely, absolutely love that film. That's definitely on my list as well, too. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read off some of mine really quick. I already mentioned Pete, Pete Doctor, uh, but back in 2015, we had Inside Out. Inside Out, yeah. Release. Uh, that was like one of my top three movies that year, and then we also had Blue Sky, R.I.P. Uh, film, the Peanuts movie. Yeah, that's another industry change. Blue Sky Animation Studios Man. no longer exists because of the Disney 
Fox merger acquisition. The Peanuts movie, yeah. yeah. I loved how that movie was animated. Me too. I can't say I just loved the story, but the animation, I just I thought they aced it. It just is so good. All right. Uh, then 2016, we had uh, Leica Animation Studios, Kubo and the Two Strings. And then Disney had the one-two punch of Zootopia and Moana that year. And Moana, well, yeah, again, which reminds me kind of with Raya and with uh, Encanto, like how it's amazing that they cranked out those two two films in the same year, Holy Smokes. So good. <laughs> um, and then another great Pixar movie uh, in 2017, we had Coco. And so uh, we had the, the anime film uh, Your Name, which I thought was great. I don't oh, know if you've seen your that. Name. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Right. Terrific. And then of, of course, we had the, the Lego Batman movie, which is still the best Batman movie. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yep. Uh, 2018, you already uh, said it, but that was actually my favorite movie that year was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah, and then, yeah, of course, so we good. have Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 coming out this year, and then part two the following year. Uh, that same year in 2018, we had uh, The Incredibles 2, which I really enjoyed. Uh, and then I think kind of a sleeper hit that a lot of people didn't really check out was uh, Teen Titans Go to the Movies. Yeah, I, I saw that. I liked, yes. I liked that a lot. It was it had a lot of great uh, like referential humor in it that I thought was funny. Yeah. But it also... Fire. Yeah, it kind of like reminded me. I don't know if you ever watched like those old Alvin and the Chipmunks. I think they were like straight to VHS movies that were they were like parody, but they were also their own stories. Where it was there was like Alvin and the Chipmunks, Batmunk, or Back to Alvin's Future. It was basically just Alvin and the Chipmunks retelling other movies. Uh, but it, it was kind of like that. There's like a lot of stuff uh, with like. Uh, relating to like Back to the Future in there, they even used like the Back to the Future theme, <laughs> and then Nicolas Cage finally got to play Superman in the movie too because he does the voice of Superman. Right, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, and that same year we had uh, Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs that came out in 2018 as well. I thought that was really a cool movie. Yeah, I'm hoping that he'll do another stop motion film. Me too. Again. And then let's see, uh, 2019, the my favorite animated films that year, uh, we had another Leica film with uh, Missing Link. Yeah. Uh, which right now is the last one that they've had come out so far. Uh, but they are working on a new one that's going to be coming out uh, pretty soon. And then that year also had the, at least as as of right now, the last Toy Story film, Toy Story 4, which Toy Story we, 4? Reported, we reported on that like way back in 2014 to... <laughs> when that was like a whole different other kind of film when they were developing it. And I remember us asking, we like, do we need a Toy Story 4? That's right. Exactly. And I guess we did, because I, love, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. It definitely had uh, like a bittersweet ending to it. So I, I'd be oh, curious absolutely. with like the Halloween and Christmas specials that they've done since then, if they would continue the story any further past that point. Yeah. And then uh, the other film, animated film that I liked a lot that year was the last How to Train Your Dragon film, the How to Train Your Dragon, The All Hidden right. World. Yeah, I thought that was a, a great film. And then uh, it was kind of animated, kind of not, uh, but it was like the live action CG hybrid for uh, Detective Pikachu. Yeah, I thought the the Pikachu animation in that was fantastic. And then that was 2019, and then so for 2020, everybody's favorite year. Uh, my Rough. favorite, my favorite movie uh, of that year was uh, Pixar's Soul, uh, with Jamie Foxx as Joel Gardner, and that that was I loved that movie. It felt very personal to me, even though uh, I'm not like I'm not personally pursuing that same kind of musical career as him. I could really identify with Joel with Joe in that movie as far as him pursuing our career that he didn't think that he was ever going to get to. And I, I just, I don't know. I connected with that a lot in the movie and I thought that yeah. was great. I think that was, I think that was for that year, my only favorite animated film. And then of course last year in 2021, 
my favorite animated films for last year. Uh, as you said, uh, we had Encanto. Uh, and then we're going to be talking about this here in a little bit. Uh, but Mitchell's versus the Machines. That was another Just great terrific Sony animation. Uh, same guys that, that did uh, Into the Spider-Verse, you know, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. The Lego movie as well. Uh, I just, I loved like how they kind of like turn the like the visual storytelling of and the mixture of different animation styles in those movies. I, th- yeah. I think there's even like puppetry in the movie at one point. Like it goes to like ha- like sock puppets. It's like sock puppets, correctly. isn't it? Yeah. 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 There's like hand drawn animation, CG animation. The CG animation even looks like it's like stop motion because they do the. Yeah. Yeah, like the animating on twos instead of fours, kind of like they did with Miles and Into the yes. Spider-Verse. Um, and then, I, like you said, uh, Luca, I loved that last year, and Raya and the Last Dragon. So there's, there's been plenty of, of great animation that's come out over these past seven years or so. And then, of course, this year, like you said, and then what we're going to be talking about in this episode is Turning Red. So, and then... I guess kind of just like general life updates for me, at least, uh, with over this, this past period of time, uh, I've ended up doing a lot more work in like audio production. So it's appropriate here for, for us doing an audio podcast. And I just recently worked the the Super Bowl, So that was pretty fun. And that's been like the biggest production that I've worked in my film TV production oh, career Mark, so that was a cool gig i just thought about you yeah. the whole time i was watching the game so my yeah. buddy mark is there that's so cool so and i cool. got to got to meet up with our our friend darren again after not seeing him for the past few years uh, who works at walt disney animation studios so that was fun catching up with him kind of finding out like the the new vibe of the animators working from home for that as well yeah so it's it's very cool to kind of see what changes have happened over these past few years, and then as much as things change, uh, they stay the same. So from there, we're gonna start talking about the Annie Awards winners from this year. And do you wanna take the the first winner on this Stanford? And we can kind of we can kind of go from, I guess we can just go like through how they have them listed on the website. Sure. From uh, go from best feature. We'll do it backwards because usually everybody says best feature first. But I'll I'll let you start with best feature and then I'll go on to the best indie feature after you. Yeah. So uh, I guess we should say the the uh, I mean the winner was the Mitchells versus the Machines from Sony yes. from Sony Animation and how cool was that? You know, and and, and such a well well deserved. When that's such uh, as just as we were talking about, it's such a clever and innovative uh, film, and Definitely. such great energy. It's 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 uh, you know, it, that was that was a big win for Sony and, and well and well deserved. I thought. What did you think? Yes. Yeah, I. And it's almost kind of surprising because usually a lot of these times, like nowadays, <laughs> you almost expect either a Pixar film or a Disney Animation Studios yeah. film to win. And with them having three of the the five nominations in there, uh, they kind of you know had the the odds in their favor. But it, it was pretty cool to see Mitchell's versus Machines win that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if it wins the the Oscar for best animated feature too. Because I know because this often happens, right? The Annie Award. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Oscar nominated animated films, the best indie feature went to Flea which is also nominated for Best Animated Feature in this year's Oscars. I haven't actually seen this yet. Usually these indie ones are a little bit harder to, to find and come across. They're harder to find. I saw it at last year's, that's why the 2021 Sundance Film Festival, which was virtual. You know, they oh, didn't man. have an in-person film festival. So, How was uh, it? That's a very good film. Very interesting uh, uh, style, you know, just to have this, have a, an animated film. And they use some kind of rotoscoping in some of it, but it's, it's, it's this animated film. That's a documentary and, <laughs> uh, very well, very, so it's a combination kind of, it felt 
like a combo of documentary, but also like a, you know, a dramatic film too. And, uh, uh, it's, it's very good. It's also, you know, interesting enough with the Oscars, it's nominated for best, uh, international film too. Like, like I think so. And also I think best documentary, I think it's, it was nominated in three categories. (laughs) So, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I thought that was pretty cool, but yeah, fleas, fleas, fleas definitely worth seeing for sure. And hopefully it's going to win one in one of those categories, which I think would then, possibly make it a little more easier to see i think it's available for rent on itunes but as right. I, I watched it at the film festival yeah i'll definitely have to check it out yeah uh, and kind of like going from there I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip down to the the best tv media for children category because this okay. is a a series that i've been hearing a lot about that guillermo del toro is uh has a hand in with uh, maya and the three yeah and I've seen some of the... I haven't watched it yet, just because... Uh, I haven't watched I have, like, it either. I have a 16-year-old son. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I with no kids. I haven't, like, <laughs> I haven't watched it. Yeah. So, yeah, speaking of stuff that's changed over the seven years, uh, seven years ago, I did not have a teenage son. He was s- still under 10. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like any of, like, the stuff that, like... Guillermo del Toro has kind of put his hand in as far as animation. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He has the the Pinocchio film that's going to be coming out soon for Netflix. And then like, he worked... Uh, we're going to be talking about something that's connected to this a little bit. Uh, but he like was a producer on the Puss in Boots film. And then he also worked on Rise of the Guardians. So I'm curious mostly to check this out just because of his involvement with it and i i want to say i don't remember their names off the top of my head so i feel like a bad animation fan but the the directors of book of life i believe that they're involved with is that jorge jorge gutierrez is that his name yeah i believe that's his name yeah i want to say that they're the like the run the showrunners or the the main creators of the show oh okay and then uh, kind of going from there, uh, we could talk about the best TV media for the general audience and Arcane one for that. Now, I haven't seen that. Have you seen Arcane? No. no. <laughs> I know that that is, it's like a, it's like a, ba- it's like a anime based series. Uh, that's, I want to say that's also based off of a, a video game as well, but on here, what yes. I saw was uh, Star Wars Visions, which uh, I actually talked about recently on an, another podcast. I'm doing the, the whole maneuver with our friend Vactor, uh, where we talked about all of the episodes of that. And I would highly recommend Star Wars Visions if anyone hasn't seen that. It's a is yeah, I've seen. I love Star Wars Visions. I, I yeah. thought that was terrific. I I just like how it had like all the varied versions of animation for the different yes. stories in there. I it was such. I thought it was just a brilliant idea that they, you know, you worked with these a variety of studios, and and then really did I think gave them a lot of of creative license with the storytelling and wow, it just it's it's it's, it's really a terrific. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's see. And then so I'm gonna skip around a little bit more too. Just and sure. then so the the next one I would I wanted to talk about was the best character animation for feature. And that one went to Encanto for Walt Disney Animation Studios, which I don't know if, have you seen the video where it shows the kind of reference footage of them dancing um, yes. matched up to the, the scene in the film? Yeah. I think that, I think that alone kind of shows <laughs> right. why they won this. Cause that's, I mean, that was fantastic. Yeah. Agreed. So give it up to the, the character animators at Walt Disney Animation Studios, including our buddy Darren. Yeah. Great work. Uh, going from there, we're going to go to the, the MCU for the best character animation in live action with uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I know. That made me happy. I thought because it's deserving. Yeah, that was that tremendous was CGI. Too. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, Mor- Morris? We had the... Remember little Morris in that movie? Uh, uh, what's his yes. name? 
He had, like the no face. I was like, which side is his face? Is both of his, <laughs> his which side is his butt and which side is his face? Right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed Shang-Chi and it's, I, I mean, too. you could tell it's where some movie. of the character animation is in that movie. Definitely in the, the third act with a lot of this stuff with the dragons. The dragons, but, which I thought were beautifully done, but I'm with you. Some of that other, maybe, you know, more minor, if you call it that, stuff is yeah. exceptional. Yeah. Uh, and then the best character animation that won for a video game was for Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which I think is well-deserved. Because Ratchet and Clank, at least to me, those games have always kind of felt like if Pixar made a video game, it's kind of like on that level of like how great uh, the animation is for it and yeah. the character design. So if you guys haven't played that game, I would highly recommend Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. And I think this definitely deserved this award that I got at the Annie Awards. And then from there, I think uh, the last thing we're going to talk about for here uh, is for the best music for a future. And surprise, surprise, Encanto won for that with Lin-Manuel Miranda's music that was for that film and i i love that music from that movie wow. i would say it's not getting as much publicity as we don't talk about bruno but surface pressure i think is my favorite song from that movie it's what's, fantastic what's yours? uh probably my favorite is we don't talk about bruno but i like every single one uh yeah. and i and i usually say about surface pressure because it's it's so good and so uh, such a great song for that character too. Uh, I, I just and I, I I really love how Encanto has really come of its own after its uh, introduction onto Disney Plus because it didn't really do great in the box office, but then also you know Omicron was going like crazy, yeah. and and then uh, anyway. There was stuff, but now, you know, it's soundtracks. How many weeks was it number one on the Billboard charts? I mean, yeah, for it, them. Pa it passed. Uh, Let it go. Let it go. Yeah. So, so good for Lin Manuel Miranda. What a talented person he is, and what what a great again, what great work. Yeah, they did on that on that movie. So the the next thing we're going to talk about, you would put on the the news so i'm gonna let you take it away from here on this one yeah so uh the um this is just a random thing but you know i love i love kind of finding little uh interesting connections into animated films that perhaps pop up in different uh realms of you know uh, this this is from the, the automobile manufacturer porsche you know the high-end sports cars that are made in germany and uh, Porsche is actually building uh, just one. It's a one-off car, but it is. Uh, it's it's in honor of uh, Sally from the movie from the Cars movies, Pixar's Cars movies, and nice. uh, this, this car is it's going to be uh, a nine a Porsche nine eleven. You know that's what Sally is. I think technically Sally is a model year two thousand two. Uh, Porsche 911 Carrera, you know, for those of you who are into that sort of thing, <laughs> like I am, you're really nerdy about automobiles. But uh, this thing that Porsche is doing, uh, it's they're going to be auctioning this car off, which is probably, I'm sure, because since they're only making one, it's going to be, you know, a very high price. And the money's going to charity. It's going to uh, some Ukrainian charities and some other things for uh, for children, and I think particularly. Uh, for uh, young women, and anyway, that's cool. Totally awesome and fun to see some of that artwork. Uh, Jay Ward, who's been the kind of the Cars franchise director, I'm not sure what his current title is now. Uh, you know, he's been he's been involved with it, and I think I think that that, that it's it's a lot of fun. So. Uh, we can include a, a link to this press release so people can, you know, your, your great listeners can see the art and whatnot. But 
that that was fun for me. Did you see did you see anything about that story, Mark? Yeah, I checked out the link after you, you put it in there. Oh, I think cool. it's it, okay. It's always cool to see uh stuff from like the films become real. Yeah. Uh, like a couple of years ago when Onward came out, uh the Guinevere was touring her around. I know. Got, <laughs> I saw it. I got, Did you get to see it too? <laughs> yeah, it came to yeah. came to Phoenix, so it was cool to, to see Guinevere. And then, of course, our our uh, buddy Marco and Tyler and everybody that worked on the Pizza Planet Pizza truck. Planet truck, which I love, they're, yeah, the yeah, their their replica is amazing. So it it's is. always cool it's to amazing to see the stuff made real. And just one thing about this Porsche, I mean, it's going to be drivable, right? So so uh, even though you know, of course, Sally's eyes are in the windshield, they they won't be included. That, but you can see that you can check that out on the in the in the concept art. It looks like it's going to be a beautiful car. It's going to be that same color of blue, you know, that Sally is. And anyway, I thought that was a lot of fun. All right. So going from Cars Land in real life to uh, Gotham City. Now, I don't know if you've watched it at all, but the the Harley Quinn animated series that's on HBO Max, uh, they're going to be... In this upcoming season, James Gunn, the film director, is going to be on the show <laughs> playing himself. Uh, now, he he just recently directed the Suicide yeah. Squad film that came out and the Peacemaker TV series. So in the, the TV show, he's going to, like I said, be playing himself, but he's going to be heading to Gotham City to make a movie about Batman's father, Thomas Wayne, which is kind <laughs> of funny. <laughs> So that with, kind of within the world of the show, he's he's making a, a yeah like a biopic about Thomas Wayne. So that's that's kind of cool that he's going to be like doing the the voice in there, and he's going to be effectively working with a different version of Harley, since he's worked with Margot, um, and now he's going to be working with uh, Kayla Hugo in the show. Ha. No, I haven't watched it. How Have you watched it? this at all? It's really, it's really funny. It's definitely like more of like a, like an adult take on on Batman and the characters. It's, it's more of like a, it's not like a hard R, but it's like just above the line yeah. of like PG thirteen. Yeah, just I mean, like there's there's like some f bombs here or there, but other than that, it's it's not like not anything. But what I think is the best thing about the show is uh, Kite Man. Which is a very kind of low key, uh, maybe like D list, F list tiered uh, Batman <laughs> villain who uh, basically in this, uh, they're, they're doing a spinoff series uh, that's going to be about uh, Kite Man. And it's going to, they're doing Noonan's Bar in it, which is going to, it's effectively going to be. Like a, a DC Comics cheers, more or less. So, like, Kite Man is going to own a bar in the show, and then whatever bad guys or heroes come in to the bar, he'll be the bartender there. So, I just thought yeah. that was kind of a, a funny and like new take yeah, on these characters. Fun. All right, so that's going to be our news for this week. And then moving from there, we had two trailers that came out this week. One was for a film, and the other is for a Disney Plus TV series that's going to be started. Now, did you have a chance to watch the the Push in Boots? Yeah, I watched the Push in Boots trailer, and I watched that Disney Plus trailer, too. Um, In fact, I was at the movie theater last uh, week, and uh, they also had Puss in Boots uh, posters up, too. Oh, man. And then speaking of stuff that's been a while, the first Puss in Boots movie came out in 2011, and then we have this sequel coming out this year. And what I thought was kind of interesting is that it's a it's a film that's being done for, for Universal and DreamWorks, uh, but with, a, like, with the Trolls uh, World Tour... And then uh, with like some of their other like films like Halloween and Marry Me, they've done like that day and date release where they have it in theaters, but they also 
uh, have it on Peacock, yeah, uh, Peacock as well, to either rent or if you have like the paid version of Peacock yeah. to just stream it on there. But what's interesting I noticed with this Puss in Boots movie is that, in particular, just because it's a, a family film too, or it can be viewed with the whole family, is that it looks like this one's only going to theaters. So I thought that was yeah. an interesting differentiation between the, the other films that they've been doing with these. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? And, you, you know, you just hope it's going to do well. You know, we'll see. Again, you wonder if it's, if it's been so much time, but it's really, he's such a beloved character, right? And this, and, and this, uh, yeah. I thought the trailer looked solid. You know, like I thought the, the, the film had, had uh, some potential for sure. What did, what did you think of the trailer? Yeah. Yeah, the animation looks a little bit different, yeah. like for what they did yeah, for does. the first film too. Like where the the first film is like more in line with yes. like what the Shrek films looked like from that same kind of animation. This one looks, uh, I don't know the, a better way to describe it than it looks more yeah. cartoony. No, it does make sense. I thought sense. the same thing. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's like more, it's like brighter, poppier colors. It's the character design design is slightly tweaked. And then it, it almost seemed like we already talked about this a little bit, but it almost seemed like some of the stuff was like animated on yeah. the twos instead of fours in it too, with the way that Puss was moving in some of the shots. Like but just just him with the way he was moving. And like the it seems like they've taken like a cue almost like for the the humor in this from some of the, like the more recent, like Sony films, uh, and s- some other studio films as well, just cause like with him and like his nine lives in it. I, so I just thought that was an interesting kind of way that like, if you were maybe at a word to watch the original Puss in Boots and then watch this one back to back, you might think that it was yeah, made by two different know, studios kinda, in a like... way. It wasn't the Puss in Boots again. What they showed in the trailer, uh, you know how the upcoming DreamWorks movie, the Bad Guys, looks. Yeah. It almost like they pulled in some elements from that too, uh, and I welcome it. I mean, I'm glad that DreamWorks is experimenting. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I frankly, I was a little tired. I mean, I'm not a huge DreamWorks fan, but I also just was a. Like after this latest Boss Baby thing, which I didn't see, uh, but that look, you know, which to me is kind of like classic DreamWorks look, you know, the way that their animation style. So I think good for them that they're trying some other stuff, and I hope it's going to pan out for them because this this movie looks good. I think Puss and Boots looks really good. Much better than yeah. much better than Boss Baby. So from uh, Part Four or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Like, well, uh, <laughs> Well, well, going from there to uh, a new Disney Plus TV series called Sketchbook. Now, did you watch yeah. the the trailer for this? So this looks cool. Looks, looks really cool. It's, it's almost like a. It's almost like I don't know if like if people have ever been to the animation building at Disneyland. Yeah. It almost reminded me like if they made like because the, they I don't know if they still have it because I just haven't been in a few years but. They have, like, every once in a while they have a artist in doing sketches in in one of the rooms there. And this almost feels How's like that? a TV show version of that. So they have, like, these, these six artists in the series that are taking on six different iconic characters and uh, doing, doing sketches of them, but, like, in there, there's also uh, kind of, like, history of those characters and that uh, basically like the history of like how these characters were developed and designed for what we eventually saw them to be in their respective films. And what's kind of cool in there too, is that I noticed uh, one of them is someone is doing uh, Olaf. So it'll be interesting to see like some, and someone is also uh, doing Maribel too from Encanto. So it'll be cool to see some of these CG animated characters drawn 
uh, essentially like in the 2D style for this series as well. So I'm, I'm very excited about this because obviously, you know, both of us love animation. So it'll be cool to see um, them at the animator square working on uh, designing these different characters and the process that goes into I am that really excited for this one, too. Because uh, that's, that's one of the things I love about animation, clearly, is the artistry. And, and to really get an up-close look at an artist at work this way, it's unique. You know, they don't, you know, you don't, you don't see this a lot. So, uh, and the production values look really high. They, you know, they, they, it looks like it's just going to be a really a really cool series yeah all right and then going from there uh the last bit that we have to share just before we get into our main topic for this episode is our recommendations for the week um mine this week is connected to our main topic it's the embrace the panda the making of turning red uh now if if you're like me uh and you like filmmaking and, and everything related to that and animation You'll definitely want to check this out because it's a it's a great uh, behind the scenes look and uh, with the filmmakers and what went into making Turning Red and it's it's on Disney Plus uh, where Turning Red is as well and it's I think it's just a great like making of um, piece that they put on there for people to check out. Yeah. Have you did you get a chance oh, yeah. to watch and, this at uh, all yet? I'm with you, Mark. It's really, it's, it's, it's so interesting. I just, it's, again, talking about high production values, so well put together. Uh, I, I, uh, I, and I'm with you. I just enjoy hearing these filmmakers talk about uh, their process, talk about some of the, like, where ideas originated. Uh, Domi She is such an interesting, yeah. I think, person. You know, I just, I just loved hearing her talk about, yeah. Talk about it all. Really, yes. I mean, how personal the story was to yeah, her. And, and in, for people that may not know, she also directed the short uh, Oscar-winning film from Pixar, Bao, uh, which is also about a, a mother and child relationship. So. <laughs> I love Bao. And uh, when I was watching Turning Red, I, I noticed some, yeah, some yeah, Bao in likewise. that as well, too. So, so yeah. it was a nice... Yeah, it's a nice callback. Uh, so for well, you, what, Mark, what's your recommendation for this week? We're keeping it Pixar-themed. This is old, but I, but I had, honestly, Mark, I want... So it's Pixar Popcorn, the Pixar Popcorn shorts, which are on Disney+. Plus. These came out, like, in, what, January of 2021. So totally old. I mean, it's not even news, right? But... Uh, or new. Not even close <laughs> to being new. But they... I just... I was reminded about them... And I went and rewatched them recently again. They're so much fun. I mean, they're super short. You can watch all ten of them, you know, in like fifteen minutes or something, right? But, or less. But uh, oh, yeah. it's just it's just so fun to get, you know, revisit these great Pixar stories that we know and love. And they're all just really funny and really cute and, and just incredibly well made. So, so uh, if 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 it's been since twenty twenty one. You know, January 2021, since you watched Pixar Popcorn, go check them out again, because I might watch them again this week. <laughs> yeah. I would I would definitely highly recommend uh, the Pixar Popcorn to anybody that hasn't seen them. All right, guys. So that is going to do it for our the lead-up to our main topic this week. So... In a moment, uh, we'll be back with our main topic, so stay tuned. Right now, you're going to hear a little bit from the trailer for Disney Pixar's Turning Red, and we'll be back in a moment. Let's go. I'm Maylin Lee. I wear what I want, say what I want, 24 7 All right, and we're back for our main topic this week. So we're going to be talking about uh, this new film from Pixar that just came out uh, this past few weeks on March, what was it, March 8th of this March year? March 11th. March 11th? Yeah. 
All right. So first to get the bummer thing out of the way, I'm hoping eventually we'll get to see another Pixar movie. In oh, theaters. I know we will, but, but that's, that was, that was, I know an unfortunate thing, particularly I think for animation fans, it was really disappointing. Yeah. Cause I saw the last one I saw in theaters was onward. Yeah. Me too. I got, I saw, I saw that February 29th. Of oh yeah. See, and I saw it like March 10th or something, Mark, or I'm not like opening weekend. And then the world went to hell. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the world just... <laughs> yeah they they did like the the, the special uh, release or like preview release for on February 29th because you know like February 29th is a day that doesn't exist every year. So they're like, oh, let's do that. That's cool. You got to see cool. that day on that day. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess unless you live in LA, you've been able to see the past few in, in theaters because they've been playing them at the uh, El Capitan. Yeah. Yeah. So. You lucky people. I know. Uh, but so this movie is is actually the twenty fifth movie from Pixar, which is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, and like we said, it's directed by Domi Shi. That's her feature di- directorial debut. And the the movie is set in Toronto, Ontario, two thousand two, and it follows uh, Maylin May Lee, a thirteen year old. Uh, Chinese Canadian student who, due to hereditary curse, transforms into a giant red panda when she feels a strong motion. Uh, it's inspired by uh, Domi Shi's experiences in Toronto, and the film began development back in 2018 after she had pitched it to uh, uh, Pixar in October of 2017. So it's the first Pixar film that's solely directed by a woman, and the second feature an Asian lead character after Up. So. First off, uh, kind of like what what are some of your like your main thoughts of Turning Red after you watched it? Well, I call it Pixar's purity film, and I, and that, and that's <laughs> not a slam. I mean, it's just like it's just kind of what I think yeah. what it is. And uh, I, I you know I, I mean I loved it. I thought I thought it was so well made, and that they handled some really interesting topics. I, I mean everything from you know the setting. To this thing, you know, movie about this teenage girl who's going through puberty, uh, stuff that was yeah. all very foreign to me, and and uh, so I just appreciated being, ha- you know, having an experience that was new, and uh, and yeah. di- you know, and and very and, and very different. I also thought the cultural aspect was was so interesting, and we can get more into it. I, uh, Particularly in the third act, with with the the grandma and the, and the aunties showing up too, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, and 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 then it's just and it's just signature Pixar greatness. Uh, just really, I I I was really uh, quite taken with it. I agree. Uh, and then, like one of the things that I liked about this a lot as well, like you said. Um, and we kind of talked about this a little bit with the other studios is that I think for this film, it's their most inventive as far as the yes, animation goes. Cause it's, there's a lot of mixture of like different stylings in this as well. It's like, we see a lot of uh, like the, the squash, squash and yes, stretch yes. Uh, in here. And then there's some like anime, the anime uh, inspired influences. animation at certain points in the film mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah, I and I really liked the different character designs in this too, too. and it's like just the fur on on May May when she turns into the red panda is, is awesome. It's just it gets better and better, doesn't it? How they <laughs> just get holy smokes, so good. Yeah, I, I think this what's kind of cool about this movie too is like it covers a whole bunch of like different spectrums because there's kind of. And I want to say that, um, spoilers. Uh, we might talk about spoilers of stuff that happens in the film. So you've been warned from here that that we may talk about stuff that happens in the ending or in the middle or stuff that happens in somewhere in the film. So if you haven't watched it yet, pause the podcast here and then come back once you've watched all the rest of the movie. Uh, but like, there's more. There's more or less like a kaiju fight late in the movie too, <laughs> I know. At, which I love so much. Like, at, <laughs> Yeah, which I didn't expect that. No, me neither. Like how, 
with how large her her mom is and her red panda form i was like holy i know it's <laughs> it's i i didn't expect that at all and i just loved it and then uh, like sandra o as as her mom so good. what did, what did you think about oh, that oh i loved her performance and uh, i thought i thought she i thought she really aced it uh that's it's, it's an interesting character you know that her mother is is you can understand in a way why the why she is so overprotective. Uh, yeah. But uh, Sandra, oh, I think does does such a good job with it because it's it's a character you could kind of hate the mom in a way, you know. But uh, I I thought that they did a really good job about just just making her this overprotective mother, you know, and and. Uh, but then yeah. when she gets into panda form, it's almost like that really, to me, it like kind of explained more like, oh, yeah, I mean, this, here's this woman. She's, she's got a lot of emotion in her, <laughs> you know, to be, you know, to, to be when she's. Oh, in yeah, her. like a lot of, her, it's all like basically held yeah. back and yeah, um, stored up within her red panda. Right, right. So it's, it's almost like the, the more, uh with their pandas, the more kind of emotion and st- and whatever they kind of bottle up and push down, yeah. the bigger their pandas are. Because you could, you could kind of see, like, the differential in, um, in sizes for the, the the red pandas in here. Yeah. They were all of different... I, thought that, different, I thought that was interesting, too, that they weren't just the kind of the same shape as, as Maymay's, you know, when Maymay turns into red panda form. Uh, yeah. Now, and now, like the other kind of thing in this film too was the since it was set in two thousand two, we of course uh, had a boy band <laughs> in the movie too, which uh, with music that was written by uh, Phineas O'Connell, yeah, Billy Eilish, uh, Billy Eilish, yeah, which which felt like pitch perfect to music that I remember from that time because my my sister loved. Like Backstreet Boys, and, yeah, and Sync, and ninety and ninety eight degrees in O Town. Right. Remember O Town? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. When, when, uh, like we were younger, and I remember like her room, like above her door, we've been like painted part of her room, and I had painted her name above um, her doorway so that it it looked like the NSYNC logo, but so like the first letter of her name was like you know like how the the NSYNC N had the star. Yes. In it. I did that. Oh, nice, nice work. But yeah, so that's why I, I ended up knowing uh, between uh, just different experiences, knowing all of the names of the the band members for both Backstreet Boys and uh, and Sync, <laughs> and pro- I think I think still do because of that. Excellent, and let's see, I fail on that. I mean, I you know like at least Justin Timberlake, and you know I know a few that's of right. you, like, but I'd fail that one. Well, I might not be able to name all Backstreet Boys still, but I know for NSYNC it was Justin Timberlake, yeah, JC Chasas, Joey Fatone, Joey Fatone, Chris Kirkpatrick, and Lance Bass. So, yeah, bravo, dude! <laughs> nice, nice work. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I that was like between uh, Maymay's friend uh, group of friends and like their like infatuation with the boy band. That definitely felt true to what I remember uh, going through with, again, like I said, with my sister's obsession with boy bands when uh, we were both younger. You know, and that really so adds that was, that to was it. Spot on. Yeah, that has spot on. I, yeah. uh, I thought her friends, I loved her friends. Uh, yeah, I thought, and they were all different. Mm-hmm. They had like their own kind of uh, different kind of. Uh, like with different interests, you know, stuff of, that they were into and yeah. whatnot, but they all shared the common bond, you know, bond of, of loving uh, the boy band. <laughs> yeah, like different quirks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like there's like one that was like more of kind of like a grungy. Yes. You know, like who you'd think would like maybe like uh, like Nirvana and stuff like that, and then there was one that looked like she would love like Hello Kitty. And stuff like yeah. that, but would would want May May to turn into the red panda just so she could hug her. I thought that was funny. funny too. Yeah. Uh, and then other her other friend in that reminded me of 
we were talking about Encanto, but her other friend reminded me of basically a kid version of uh, Stephanie Beatrice's character on Brooklyn Nine Nine, Rosa. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I was, I was just. I said that to my son. I was like, that's just like a teenage version of Rosa from yeah, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. no, it is. She had the same attitude and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and I, I like pointing out that that's quote-unquote Rosa to people in Encanto that don't know what Stephanie Beatrice's that, actual like, and voice and sounds like. How can you even believe, yeah, that, that, that they're the same, it's the same actress. Yeah, it's just because of like how bubbly her, her real-life voice is. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Uh, and the other, uh, so the other kind of music relation to this was, uh, Ludwig, uh, Gorenson, uh, did the composed music for this, uh, and he's done plenty of work. I love, uh, he I worked love on his work. Black Panther, uh, the, the Mandalorian. Mandalorian and the book of Boba Fett too, right? Yeah. So yeah, he did like the themes, themes. for, for book of yeah. Boba Fett, I guess. But so he's got all kinds of. A whole eclectic kind of uh, discography at this point with the different music that he's done, and it, and it, I th- want to say he's new to like the the Pixar. I was gonna say, is this is this his uh, first Pixar scoring crew? Because you know they usually they've maybe and maybe that's just with the change up of the leadership there too. Is that they usually it's either Giacchino or Randy Newman or Thomas Newman, no relation, yeah, or like Patrick Doyle. Uh, doing a lot of the the score for the different uh, Pixar films. But I'm all for different composers. I, I've liked all of those composers that have done the past films as well. But it is cool to kind of get like a little uh, differentiation between the, you know, the different things that we've seen. And like you were you're talking about how this is like the puberty film, It's I think it's good that this film, like I know it's making some different groups of people like upset and whatnot but you know what there's parental controls on on disney plus now if you don't want your kid to watch it they don't own the remote control don't let them grab the remote control and don't let them watch if you don't want to let them watch it because on here i think it's it's good that it normalizes periods and uh, girls going through puberty because there's been plenty of uh, films focused on the the male version of that with like voices changing and other stuff like that. So, I mean, there can be a film that exists going through puberty on, on the other side. So that's normalized. And then that way, you know, what? it doesn't become a weird thing where like you're an adult male and you're still weirded out by women having a period because that's not a weird thing. Right. And they already have to go through it already, so it's not like something that they should also then be ashamed for having to go through. So, I thought they handled it it's kind really of, well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they mention like periods and pads once, and then it's definitely from there just an allegory for the red panda in the movie. At that yeah, point. and so, the red panda. I think I think it was done really well, like you said. Yeah, and you know. She's got this budding sexuality, you know, and her attraction. I think, I thought they handled it, you know, humorously but accurately, uh, with yeah. with uh, Maymay's attraction to the dude that works at the Daisy Mart. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I like to the like the almost like the the Tex Avery. Yes. Like Warner Brothers Looney Tunes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it's exactly. like almost animated the same way. Like her eyes go her up eyes. and her, her tongue comes out. And I, I think she even does like the foot stamp at that point. Yeah, I think she does. <laughs> so I, I liked that that kind of referential homage to, to yeah. that. Yeah. I thought that was done very well. Now, and then I guess Domi, she's also expressed interest in doing a follow-up to uh Maymay's story uh i'm not sure on like what maybe they would do for a story with this um they they had ideas for a sequel or a prequel i'm not sure what you would do with a prequel unless it was based on the mom yeah the prequel the, like the grandmother the mom or the yeah or, or just yeah the grandmother and the... but then would that be too similar if it was the yeah. if it was the same thing in that i don't know 
Uh, but then maybe like the second one, because you know, like how sometimes the Pixar sequels have been very different from the original films, where like Cars, that's all like about Route 66 in a small town, but then Cars 2, you know, that was like the spy adventure film, and Cars 3 was kind of like a, a rookie being yeah. taught by, at that time, like a, a retiring pro kind of film. So I guess this could be something like. Maybe the next movie is like almost like a superhero film in a way because now now Maymay has embraced. Essentially, it's like Maymay is Bruce Banner, and the the Red Panda is is her Hulk. Uh-huh. See whatever comes comes from right. that. Maybe there's crossover with the Incredibles. I don't know. Yeah. What would you want to see from a, a sequel to Turning Red? Well, you know, I don't know. If... Or prequel. I think maybe a short or something might be interesting. I really loved what Pixar did with... Yeah, they've done with, a good job uh, with those. Uh, Ciao Alberto, which was just, you know, a really charming short, uh, which was yeah. really kind of like a sequel to Luca. I mean, you find out more what's going on. That, I think, could be just charming. And and who knows if it's just, if it's, you know, how Maymay and the panda, you know, in both human and panda form are getting along with her license, she, you know... Spoiler alert! Continued. She decided not to give it up. Uh, but so that for me, I think would be charming. If they came, I mean, I'm sure if they did a feature, that would be fine. But I probably would be more interested in in uh, a short or maybe a series of shorts of of how of what her life is like um, dealing with both. You know, yeah. being both, in both human and and in band of form. Yeah, or maybe even a Disney Plus series because now we have Monsters at Work. Sure. So we are starting to get Disney Plus yeah. Pixar uh, TV series too. So I mean that could even work like that. So it'd be it'd be interesting to to see what they do. You could even like follow Maymay as she grows up even further. So that I think that would definitely be interesting. Yeah. Uh, did Did you have any? Thing else you wanted to to speak on from Turning Red that you can you know, think of? We talked a little bit about the anime influence. I mean, just maybe just to, just to go in a little more detail about that because I one thing that just comes to my mind a lot, Mark, is the shape of of uh, Meme's mouth because you know that's one of the things oh, yeah. that how in anime films you know, some of those characters just have these mammoth mouths, right? But it worked. Oh, yeah. You know, again, it just it just it, it, I thought her character design was. Was fantastic, and just as you mentioned, the, the you know the squash and stretch and the uh, kind of the bit more cartoony stuff out of it really differentiates it, I think, from other from other uh, Pixar films. Luca had a little bit of that, I thought, in the character designs, particularly of the three, particularly yeah. of the three kids. You know, when they were in human form, that you know the two boys in human form, and then and then uh, yeah, that was almost like a a CG animated. Uh, Felt like a like high Miyazaki. Yeah, so it's good to say it felt like a Miyazaki character design, yes. which is such a compliment, you know. Uh, but, yeah, uh, I, I, uh, I, I really, I was just, I was, I was impressed. I was impressed with it, and and uh, yeah, I guess that's just a little add on, even though we had kind of already addressed that. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for our discussion on Pixar's Turning Red. Uh, like we said, you can find it on Disney Plus right now. Uh, and then with us, you can also follow us uh, individually on Twitter and Instagram and all the places. I'm just at my name, so at Mark River, M-A-R-C-V-I-B-B-E-R-T. And then where can they find you, Stanford? And I'm the same, just my name. It's at Stanford Clark. Yeah, and then you can also check out Stanford's other podcast, Movies Past and Present. Uh, it's everywhere you can find podcasts, so just search for that. And then you can find the pod, uh, this podcast um, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. On Facebook and Instagram, we're uh, at Animation Fascination. And then Twitter, uh, that was too long, so we had to go with at Animated Podcast. Uh, and then you can also feel free to email us at our very long email address, animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you can also find us on anchor.fm now as well. So I'm Mark Rupert for myself, 
Stanford Clark. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back again with episode 80 soon, and it won't be seven years from now. And I'm hitting stop on my recording now. Me too.